Joe Biden went to the beach and nobody cared. What's up? This is this is Mark Kay. Saves the Republic. Thank you so much for joining me today, folks. Man, I, I, I miss you guys. It's been a week off. I myself was also at the beach, but I looked a lot better than Joe Biden does um, when he takes his shirt off. It's really weird. It's really weird to me that they would allow Joe Biden to take his shirt off when he was at the beach or really anywhere in public because, and I know why they did it. I know exactly why they did it. Joe Biden um, has this, you know, the, the, the specter hanging over Joe Biden's head in this election is, of course, his age, his frailty, his uh, inability to walk and physically exert himself, his inability to speak and his mental incapacity and, and his flubs and his gaffes and all the stuff that he says that people just go, huh? And, and that's something that they have to overcome, uh, especially when you have other candidates in this race who are flaunting their physical and mental attributes. They are out there exp- exposing Joe Biden's weaknesses and at the same time promoting their own strengths. One of them is uh, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. Robert F. Kennedy Jr. is making a big splash in the moderate world of the uh, liberal party who's out there talking about anti-vax things on the Joe Rogan podcast and, and you know, going out there and talking about how tyrannical government is not necessarily what we need. Uh, you know, all that kind of stuff. Really, th- really a thorn in the side of the Joe Biden campaign. But also, this is a guy who's healthy. This is a guy who just before I left on vacation released a video or somebody released a video of him pumping iron. And the guy's jacked, man. He's got the, the pecs and the, the delts. And wait, where are the delts? The, the, the pecs and the, the triceps and the biceps and arms. And you got all, the, I mean, he's got whatever. If there's a muscle, he's got it. And it's in pretty good shape, way better shape than Joe Biden's. Um, and I think what happened is at the White House, they're like, man, RFK looks like the spec. He looks like a perfect specimen of masculine physical ability. This guy takes off his shirt. He goes outside. He's pumping iron. He looks like he can conquer the world. And then there's Joe Biden, who has trouble walking up a flight of steps or walking across a stage without busting his ass. All of these things. And and so what the uh, what the Biden campaign, what the Democrat Party, what they're trying to do is they're trying to show that Joe Biden is just as good as Robert F. Kennedy Jr. or anybody for that matter. The silver-tongued devil Gavin Newsom from out there in California who's trying to weasel his way into the White House by backdooring Joe Biden and getting that nomination. This guy who has, he's so power-hungry, he can, he can already taste the Jenny's ice cream that's in Joe Biden's fridge um, at the White House residence. He can taste it, and he's going to stop at nothing to get that. Well, this guy is, you know, 40 years Joe Biden's y- younger, and he's got, you know, way more mental stability and capacity. He's a much more eloquent speaker. And uh, and that's something that he's doing. You, you got you got all these sharks flaunt circling around Joe Biden and they are trying to show Joe that they are the stronger of the species, uh, which isn't you know tough to do because Joe Biden is uh, he's like a 98 pound weakling. I don't know if you remember the old Charles Atlas ads, but he's the guy. He's what, what was the guy's name in the Charles Atlas ad? It was uh, how did hold on Charles Atlas ad. It was, uh, here we go, the insult that turned, uh, that made a man out of Mac. The insult that made a man out of Mac. It was Mac was at the beach and the guy uh, stole his girlfriend and kicked the sand in his face. And that's when he went home and became, you know, he ordered Charles Atlas and he became a jacked uh, superstar. That's, That's Joe Biden. He's the Mac before taking Charles Atlas and someone's at the beach kicking sand in his face. And that guy's name is Robert F. Kennedy. 
Uh, anyway, that's one race. There's a whole other race though, that I want to talk about today. There's something I want to get into, and it's the race for the presidential primary on the Republican ticket. And oh, by the way, that reminds me, the Ron or Don coins came in and they're fantastic. We've we've uh, we got them all polished. We got them all packaged up and the Ron and Don coins are almost ready to ship. So if you haven't yet gotten your Ron or Don primary picker coin, now's the time to do it because the primary is coming up. And as I wrote in my Catriot uh, email blast this morning, not only are there millions of people who have not yet decided who they're going to choose, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis, but there's millions of people who haven't even thought about deciding. They're like, decide, deschmide, I got plenty of time. And then all of a sudden you're going to blink. It's going to be February. You're going to be running down to your to your local uh, voting district to try to make your decision. And you haven't made your decision yet. That's who these people are for. That's who these coins are for. This is one of the most interesting elections we've ever had. And that's why the newly founded Catriot Mint has created these one of a kind Ron or Don primary picker coins. Donald Trump on one side, Ron DeSantis on the other. You can flip it. You can make your decision and say, okay. That's the guy that I'm supporting. It, it comes down to a coin toss. I like them both so much. Or if you're just a collector of political memorabilia and you want something that's really cool, uh, one of a kind and unique, that's going to help you remember forever this really this really wild uh, presidential primary, then this is the challenge coin that you want in your collection. The Ron or Don primary picker coin. It's available now from the Catriot Mint. Go to ronordoncoin.com. That's Ron. I'm sorry. Go to donorroncoin.com. That's Don or roncoin.com. Looks like donor Ron, but it's donorroncoin.com. Speaking of which, mm, I take a swig of my coffee. Uh, Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis are, man, they're, go they're going at it. They're going tit for tat. And Ron DeSantis has had, I think, a pretty bad week. Uh, when I, you know, when you just look at all the headlines that are coming out, and again, I want to preface this by saying I don't believe the headlines. I don't believe the news stories. I don't believe what people are writing about him. None of these things, I think, are 100% accurate. They're somewhat accurate, but not 100% accurate. But I do want to I do want to show you the onslaught of headlines coming out against Ron DeSantis. Uh, the New York Times, Ron DeSantis doesn't know whether he's coming or going. The Guardian, Ron DeSantis cannot out Trump Trump in primary. CNN, this is the real reason DeSantis is struggling in the polls. MSNBC, DeSantis's Iowa gaffe is indicative of a bigger problem. Uh, NBC News, Ron DeSantis's 2024 bid gives life to struggling Florida Democrats. I mean, it's, it's, it's going on and on. The Daily Beast, MSNBC panel declares Casey DeSantis America's Karen. That's a little harsh. Uh, but it, it seems to be going on and on that, that Ron DeSantis has come to kind of a, a plateau in his campaign, a, a stopping point. He's gotten to a position and he hasn't been able to push past that. And it's, you know, it's not inaccurate. There is not a lot of enthusiasm for the Ron DeSantis campaign. There are not a lot of people out there going, I can't wait to cast my ballot for Ron DeSantis. There's not a lot of people out there packing Ron DeSantis rallies, uh, buying Ron DeSantis clothing, putting on Ron DeSantis hats and shirts. And every single day, the people that are Ron DeSantis fans are bombarded with this information or these narratives that Ron DeSantis isn't the guy they thought he was going to be, that Ron DeSantis is flailing in his campaign. And <clears throat> I wrote this morning, pardon me, that there are three things that stick out in my mind. I mean, there's a bunch of things, but there's three things that stick out in my mind that lead me to believe that Ron DeSantis is at a plateau, that he's not gaining traction and that it's going to be very difficult for him to do so. And the first one is he was tardy for the party. And they'll tell you, the housewife, real housewives of, was it Atlanta? 
I think that's who it was. Um, the Real Housewives of Atlanta will tell you you can't be tardy for the party. Ron DeSantis had a real he had a real problem. See, J- Donald Trump had no job. Donald Trump was not in office. Donald Trump wasn't doing anything. He wasn't running for re-election in 2022. So Donald Trump was out just out there being a candidate. He was candidate Trump, former President Trump, he, hopeful uh, future President Trump as well. And so come November, November 15th, I think it was, he decided he was going to declare his candidacy for 2024. And everyone else was selling. Not, I don't know if you remember this, but it was uh, it was right after the 20. So the 2020 election happened the first week of November. Herschel Walker did not get the requisite 50 percent. Neither did Raphael Warnock. And so all eyes were on Georgia for what would be the the tie breaking Senate vote again. It would be 50 50 if Herschel Walker won. Uh, what's the name? Dr. Oz screwed the pooch in Pennsylvania. John Fetterman somehow became the, the um, senator from Pennsylvania. So with that. So the majority was out. There was going to be no majority. Arizona fell flat with, uh, you know, what's his name? McMath. Um, yeah, McMaster. McMaster. What was his, what the hell was that guy's name? See, I even forgot. Adam Laxalt won in Nevada. I mean, lost in Nevada. Uh, you know, Bullduck lost in New Hampshire. There was no way that we were going to get the majority in the Senate, but we could have kept the 50 50 uh, split with Kamala Harris being the deciding vote. And with all of the with all of the the maladies and the health problems that the Democrats in the Senate had been facing, that's not that wasn't too bad a deal. Uh, but Herschel Walker needed to get the the uh, votes that he needed in the runoff. And that didn't happen. And everybody uh, in the party was asking Donald Trump, begging Donald Trump from Kevin McCarthy on down saying, don't announce, don't announce your candidate. We don't need, we need, every, we, we need everyone focused on Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker has to win. We need Herschel Walker to win. Herschel Walker, win, win, win. And Donald Trump said, that's great and all, but I'm going to go ahead and announce my candidacy. I'm going to do it now. And he, he ignored everybody else. He listened to them and he said, here I, it is November 15th. I'm running for president. And he was the only person running for president for a good three months. He was the only person running for president in November. He was the only president running for person running for president in December. He was the only person running for president in January. I believe I forget when Nikki Haley announced, but then Nikki Haley jumped in and Vivek Ramaswamy jumped in and Tim Scott jumped in and more and more people jumped in. So by the time Ron DeSantis got to the party, it was crowded. You know, he'd waited a long time. He actually had that lackluster Twitter spaces announcement, too, which was kind of a debacle. But in addition to that, he also had Mike Pence and Chris Christie kind of bookending it, sandwiching him the same week, the same week that uh, you had the same week that you had Ron DeSantis announce. You also had Chris Christie and Mike Pence come together and, and announce their candidacy. So Ron DeSantis wasn't the big story that week. There were a lot of little stories. And he just kind of he just kind of tried to slip right in there. Uh, of course, when you put in that that Twitter announcement, that was that was the worst thing that could have happened. But he was at a disadvantage. Now, he couldn't have announced in November because he just won his reelection campaign. He can't say, hey, congratulations. Thank you for reelecting me. your governor by this massive majority. I'm excited to leave now and go be president. That doesn't work. He can't do that. He had to stick around as long as possible. And for him, as long as possible was uh, about six months. And then he decided, OK, it's time for me to announce. But by that time, he didn't have the spotlight. He didn't have the energy. He didn't have the you know, he didn't have the dominance that Donald Trump had because Donald Trump has been campaigning for six months longer than Ron DeSantis. Now, he also listened to the wrong people. This is something else that I have a problem with. You know, Donald Trump makes his own decisions. He runs an anti campaign. Everything you're supposed to do as a presidential candidate, he does the opposite. If people tell him to wait, he hurries up. If people tell him to hurry up, he waits. 
That's how that's how he runs his game and that's how he wins. And Ron DeSantis does not do that because Ron DeSantis has old people, old political operatives from failed campaigns past. He's got these people. He pulled them off of the mothballs. He dusted them off. He said, all right, I'll listen to you, uh, Tim Ryan. I'll listen to you, Jeb Bush. I'll listen to you, Carl Rove. And he's counting on all of, the, all of these people getting him money. He's counting on all of these people getting, uh, he's, uh, he's saying he's getting, um, he's counting on all of these people who are, um, uh, what am I saying? He's, he's uh, got all of these people who are jumping in to tell him what to do, promising him money, promising him support, promising him all this stuff. And in the end, what he's doing is he is uh, destroying his chances of becoming president of the United States because he's playing by the old playbook. And the old playbook should have been thrown out a long time ago. In fact, the old playbook was thrown out a long time ago by Donald Trump. And, uh, and we can see that the new playbook is what you need to win. Now, that's the second thing. The third thing, right off the bat, is that he's way too popular here in Florida. And again, that can go back to his November re-election. Pardon me while I swig some delicious coffee. Um, the popularity, popularity back home used to be a good thing. Bill Clinton was very popular in Arkansas. That led to him becoming president of the United States. Um, Ronald Reagan was very popular when he was governor of California. That led to him just demolishing the field and becoming president of the United States. A lot of times, George Bush even was very popular in Texas uh, when, he became, when he became the president of the United States. But that, the, the tide has kind of turned here. The landscape of America is a lot different. Nowadays, the governor of a state is someone who is more important than ever before. They're not just a chief executive. They're not just there to help uh, you know, sign laws into, into, or bills into laws. They're not just there to negotiate or call out the, na the National Guard. The governor has become, in this time of COVID lockdowns, in this time of mask mandates, in this time of this woke war, this battle of wokeness that continues to go on and on, governors are the last line of defense. And they are now active participants in a war against the tyranny of the federal government under the Biden administration. Joe Biden, one of the very first presidents to actively fight against individual states in this union. At really actively fight against them, sue them, go again, you know, try to mandate this, mandate that. Governors have had to step up and 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 actually um, execute or to um, what do you call it? Um, uphold federal laws that the federal government is is choosing to ignore, like the border, for example. The border crisis is a federal problem. Yet you've got a lot of local governors in Texas and California. In, well, not in California, in Arizona, in Florida, they've all got to deal with this problem because the federal government refuses to. And so governors have taken on a new role. They're more important. They're more uh, active. They're more admired. People know more about them. You know, Governor DeSantis has done a great job battling back the federal government, battling back the mask mandates, battling back against illegal immigration. He's done a great job with the woke culture and the agenda in our school systems. And not just our local school systems, but our but our university systems. He's taken on Disney. He's tackled a lot of other problems that we have nationally, but more importantly, here in the state of Florida. And that's what made him so popular. And that popularity is a detriment for a presidential campaign because we here in Florida, a lot of people don't want him to remove himself from that post. It's too important. It's too important for a state like Florida to have a strong leader that can beat back Joe Biden. And Ron DeSantis has proven that he is that strong leader who can beat back Joe Biden and anyone else who tries to stick their 
their nose in our business. He can protect Floridians like nobody else can, and we don't see anyone else on the horizon right now who can step, who can fill that void. So keeping Ron DeSantis at home for his full term is important to Floridians, the very group that he thought would catapult him into the presidency the same way the Arkansans did for Bill Clinton or the Californians did for Ronald Reagan. It's a different time. It's almost more important to have a good, strong conservative governor than it is to have a good, strong conservative president. Because if you live in a state with a good, strong conservative governor, they can battle back all of the tyranny, all of the all of the the, the despotic uh, and, you know, um, mandates that are coming down from the federal level. So I feel that that is working against Ron DeSantis. Anyway, we'll get into more of this here as the uh, election continues to fire up. But don't believe the stories, but just know Ron DeSantis does have to do something to spark his campaign or it's going to continue to go nowhere while Donald Trump continues to climb higher and higher every day. Uh, all right, listen, thank you again for joining me. We're back. We're back all the way through till Thanksgiving. We have no time off. We have no weeks off. We're just going to be here working every single day, recording podcasts, doing the radio show, sending you Catriot, um, you know, email blasts, whatever it is you need. If you want your Donner Ron coin, go to DonnerRonCoin.com right now. And don't forget, you've got to listen every day. You've got to, you've got to download every day. You've got to You've got to make sure that everything that you're doing every single day is arming you for the battle that is that is happening right now and uh, and going into 2024. So please, whatever, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, do it. Tell a friend, share it with your friends. And remember, you, me, everybody listening every single day, we've got to do whatever we can to save the republic.